0: Welcome to Once More With Commentary, a Buffy and Angel podcast. I'm Allie. And I'm Jenny. And this week we're talking about the penultimate episodes of season four of Buffy and season one of Angel. Mm-hmm. So we've got Primeval. I'm, Am I even pronouncing that correctly? Or is I it always prime-eval? say Primeval, but I don't yeah.
1: know. I um,
0: bet that... That...
1: Can, yeah.
0: Yeah. Mysterious word that Buffy drops to the <laughs> initiative guy. Um, and blind date. On Angel.
1: Uh, First of all, good use of the word penultimate. I know it's not that special of a word, but I really love that word. (laughs) I like it. It's like surprisingly useful. Like it's definitely a word that I learned in college, and I learned it in Spanish first. Like it came up in some sort of Spanish discussion, like literature discussion. Where and uh, yeah, I mean it's a it's a cognate in Spanish is penultima so it's like oh, that's a word I could use in English too.
0: Yeah, you know what it always makes me think of? No, the wire yeah yeah because the penultimate episode the penultimate, was always the like big one The big,
1: big one yeah yeah
0: i think that was where well, that, i like really learned that word
1: that's funny i feel like that's gonna be relevant to talk about this episode yeah this is the for only season of buffy that kind of has that structure where everything goes down in this episode and then the next one is like a cleanup follow-up
0: did joss whedon write primeval i don't remember no
1: david fury he didn't direct it either that kind of makes sense,
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: if we're being honest.
0: So David Fury was watching some David Simon. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: at this point, what would have been out? Homicide, maybe.
0: Yeah, I guess that's true. Okay. Well, I thought The no. Wire
1: started in 2005.
0: Was that when? Okay, I thought it was before that.
1: <laughs> oh, I don't know. I watched it so much later than when it aired. Oh, Sorry everyone can at. hear me actually Googling <laughs> everything. I di- tried not to do that. Um, oh, 2002. Okay.
0: Okay, so So close to this, but no. It's just a coincidence, and I'm trying to make it a thing, and it's not a thing.
1: I believe primeval is the right pronunciation.
0: Okay, we will proceed with that. Primeval, yeah. Primeval.
1: (laughs) As I'm trying to read dictionary. um, Oh, God, I don't understand those symbols at all. (laughs) You know, it's funny because I feel like I used to really have them down, but then... um, In college, I took a couple linguistics classes, which I loved. But I learned the phonetic alphabet then, which is different. It's totally different. So, like, now I'm like, I, I, like, they use some of the, of, like, similar characters. But they don't mean the same things. And so it's like, I think I got really confused. And now I really have to focus on what it means. I think it's primeval.
0: Okay. Well, Write us in and let us know. I think that's what Buffy said, too. Um,
1: I, I think I almost missed her saying it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was like very brief, but yeah. as brief as the word primeval. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't think that made sense, Sally. <laughs>
0: just...
1: It's kind of, it's got three syllables, it's not like a short word.
0: <laughs> Let's move on from that. Let's move um, on. How are you okay. doing today?
1: <laughs> I'm fine.
0: Uh, this weekend is a long weekend. It is. Yeah.
1: We're both taking little short trips.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm.
1: excited to have time off,
0: but. But yeah, it's like yeah. the last holiday for a while. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I don't have too much. El- well, I guess I have a lot of summer plans, but nothing like glamorous. No, there's no like two week vacation in my sight. It's just like, oh, now you're just chugging along <laughs> <laughs> from
0: here on Yeah, out. no, this is, um. this is like my, it's like a short trip. Like I'm going up to Tahoe and then I get like a, like, a week break and then... Or, like, two-week break and then I'm, like, traveling again and then I'm just, like... I don't, like, live in my house anymore.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't seem like you do.
0: Travel is so fun until you do it all the time and then I, I like, swore to myself that I would never be that person who was, like, oh I travel so much. (laughs) But it's, like, I just... And I still really love it, especially I think it helps that I'm going to, like, different places. But, like, you know, I spent about three hours in the boston airport the other day because yeah. my flight was delayed and i was just like you know what this like actually really sucks <laughs> so yeah. like when you do it enough like you start to experience like more of the problems and like glitches <laughs> and like people and yeah you know. but the, the there like when you get there that part's fun so. yeah but uh yeah well, I'm very
1: interested to talk about these episodes because I feel like most of this season has been a I've had a lot of strong feelings. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of have middling feelings about these ones, which is like different than where I'm it's just different from where I'm normally at.
0: Yeah, I feel like weirdly, considering the way the buffy one almost feels like a finale, I don't have. Super strong feelings about it? Like I, I mean, because it's I not have, the finale. Admit,
1: overall, my feelings are negative. <laughs> but they're not like, oh, I hate it. Like, it wasn't, it's not that, like, visceral uh, upset that I had, like, last week. Or the, whichever one with the, yeah. the Yoko Factor. Yeah. Way? Or was it the one before that? I don't know.
0: But we should really call that Let's one talk. the John Paul George and Ringo Factor.
1: <laughs> we should. We should rename it. Spike should have said that exact line so that we could quote it.
0: Yeah. He came pretty close. Just we didn't call me, I'm rewriting your show.
1: <laughs> just, the, just the titles. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to get rid of Primeval too since we don't know how to say it. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> well, let's get into it. Why yeah. don't you tell, tell us what happens in this episode? I'm going to try and stop saying the name, although now it's like becoming a verbal tick.
0: It's going to become that thing where like you say it enough times that it loses all meaning. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in Primeval. <laughs> now I'm going to see how many times I can actually it. use it's it a, in my recap. <laughs> it's
1: a drinking game for anyone yeah. who wants to play along.
0: Prepare to get drunk. Um, yeah. Okay, so last week in the John Paul, George, and Ringo Factor, <laughs> at the end of it, Buffy and her friends ended it, you know, really mad at each other. They had this big blowout fight. Um, Spike thinks he successfully separated Buffy from her friends. So we start this episode and. Everybody's kind of like, you know, bummed out and, um, you know, nobody likes fighting with their friends. Mm -hmm. And so Buffy decides she's going to go do a little bit of hunting. And so she goes to the caves and she finds Adam's lair, but he's not there. And she stumbles across Spike. And Spike, because he always has to open his mouth, accidentally lets it slip that he was the one responsible... In his, well, he doesn't outrightly say, but he, like, mm-hmm, references he, the fighting. Yeah. And so Buffy realizes that, hey, actually, who told me all this stuff about my friends? Or who told them this stuff? So they all, she, she calls everybody together. They have a little awkward powwow where they all realize Spike is the one who was feeding everybody these these lies, essentially, about, like, what everybody was saying about everyone else. And they decide to... Band together and figure out what Adam's plan is. And they realize like the plan was to separate them, that the discs that they got from Spike were definitely a trap, but yet they're going to go ahead and see what's what. So they figure out there's like a secret lab under the initiative, and that they have to go basically storm the initiative, but they trying to brainstorm in ways to like defeat Adam. And Xander comes up with, you know, kind of an offhand comment about, like, well, what if we take, like, the witchiness and the slayerness and the language and, like, all this stuff and we blend it all together and they get an idea that they will, in fact, do that. So Mm -hmm. they break into the initiative. They run into a bit of a problem because they get caught, obviously, and have to deal with all the soldiers. But Adam's putting his plan into motion, which they figure out is to basically bring as many demons as possible into the initiative spark a big battle between initiative soldiers and all the demons. And then Adam is left with a bunch of body parts that he can then put back together into his various like half demon, half human like soldier boys. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, they get into the initiative, like all hell basically breaks loose, like quite literally. And, Mm -hmm. um, Buffy and her friends kind of barricade themselves in three fourteen, um, where Buffy goes off into the secret lab and, uh, Xander, Willow, and Giles uh, start performing the spell, and we see Buffy um, go into the secret lab, and she actually finds Riley, who has been kind of MIA this whole time, and Adam has him chained up because apparently Riley was also implanted with a chip that Mm -hmm. actually, instead of in his brain, was in his central nervous system and gives Adam control over his movements. So, um, we see Forrest, who was previously dead, is now one of these demon things along with Professor Walsh and the other doctor guy. (laughs) That doctor. So, um, Buffy goes off to fight Adam and leaves Riley to take care of these demon guys uh, once Riley essentially overcomes his chip and like cuts it out of himself. Mm-hmm. Badass like it self-surgery was, there. Yeah. And so Buffy goes to confront Adam and the spell kicks in, which is just totally awesome. This is I think not to get too into the discussion part of it yet. Uh-huh. Yeah, you're editorializing right now, and I'm not sure I agree with it. <laughs> okay, I'll stop. <laughs> and so Buffy fights Adam, and um, basically everything he throws at her, she can, like, block. Like, she shields the bullets, and mm-hmm. she can turn his bazooka into a flock of birds, and she reaches in and pulls out his uranium core and basically <laughs> turns it into nothing. So they beat Adam, they win the day, and... They have to then get out of the initiative and we see we hear this voiceover of basically the government deciding that the initiative was an experiment that failed. Mm-hmm. They're gonna fill in the compound with cement and mm-hmm. everybody's gonna sign NDAs and you know all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's primeval. Primeval. <laughs> primeval, primeval. <laughs> uh. Okay, so I think the first thing I want to talk about then is you don't like the the scene. The spell, I don't. I I didn't like the spell. I okay. Why don't you like it? I guess okay.
1: My big big comment about this episode is that it's basically anticlimactic. This is not. It is a little bit. And I you know well compared to season two and season three, which has had these like such perfect executions of the season long build to like one end point, you know, this is clearly not that like, there's so many things that it's touching on that are on paper, right. The right thing to do. You know what I mean? So it's like, so like, I think the spell is maybe the best example of like, it makes sense to me because it makes sense to me in a very literal way of like, oh, this is the season where Willow's been exploring Wicca, so it makes sense that it would build up to a big spell. This is a season where the gang's been falling apart, so it makes sense that they have to band together in order to actually defeat the big bad. But like somehow the whole... I mean, and this is a a statement about the whole episode, like everything feels that way to me, where it's like it's technically the right choice to make, but somehow it's not gelling for me, mostly in an emotional sense. So I... But but also in some, like, practical ones. So, like, I like the idea of this spell, but it is so mega powerful. <laughs> I'm like, how, number one, how have they, how do they not use this again in the future? They Spoiler, they don't. You know, they're never gonna return to this. And, like, admittedly, it took some stuff out of them, but, like, they put this together in, like, half an afternoon. You know what I mean? Like, it's like other times, they've had to spend, like, whole episodes getting the things that they need. You know, like, in season two, there's this whole episode's long arc of them trying to get a hold of an orb And this one, it's just like they magically have everything they need to superhuman fuse their minds together. And also, why does it give Buffy matrix powers? Like, I don't know. Everything about it was just like something. Everything was slightly askew in a way that made it not believable to me. It didn't make sense that they could go from zero to such a big spell in this span of this episode, given the context of this season. I didn't buy that. I think that was the biggest thing that bothered me.
0: So I will give you that. Like, the the timeline of this episode feels extremely compressed. But, and, and yeah, the, the like, the practical realities of the spell are a little bit interesting. Like, yeah, she does kind of have some interesting powers. But like wh- yeah. I think it's more just, like, she's, a, like... Basically, it's just, like, a visual way of conveying that she's rendering Adam essentially um, useless. But I do love this idea of, like, this is probably the only villain that Buffy fights where she doesn't have to resort to, like violence to do it right like it's just I mean <laughs> ripping she's his just, heart
1: out of his still beating chest okay, I think is that pretty part, yes, but I mean like there's no
0: there's no sparring like whatever she's literally just kind of it's just I think what I like about it is it's totally very different it's um, so funny because I was literally I about to say the opposite <laughs> what
1: I was literally about to say the opposite which is that like oh I would have liked it so much more if it had just given her super strength even more strength than she normally has <laughs>
0: Yeah, I but that's, like, the
1: opposite of what you're saying. Like, I wanted her to be able to just, like, beat him to a pulp the way that she kind of normally does. Well, I think
0: she could. I mean, the fact she that she have, just yeah. reaches through his chest is an indicator of that. But I think that it just goes in a different direction. And I I like it. Like, it's a nice... I, I just really appreciate that it's something a little bit different. I will agree with you that I do think the episode generally does feel a bit anticlimactic and falls flat because because the whole While season, it's that really arc cool, is just not great. But like yeah. Buffy has no personal connection to Adam or this whole situation. You know, like the Initiative plot has just never really worked on that level and right. so I think yeah. it's like she takes him out but like of course she does. Like we've never assumed that she wouldn't. But there's no, you know, she doesn't sacrifice anything of herself in order to do it, right? Like, so Angel, yeah. obviously, she had to kill her boyfriend. And yeah. with the mayor, it was like they blew up the school. They, ba- they literally blew yeah. up, like, the place that they had spent the last and few years. And lost a
1: lot of their friends.
0: Exactly. But this was a little bit more, I think, supposed to be about bringing the focus back to the core for having them do this to work together. And you're right. It is, like, on paper, like, this great metaphor of, like, they literally have to come together <laughs> yeah, to yeah. fight Adam. But I think the reason it doesn't work as well is because of Adam. Like, it, because it, Adam just falls flat as a villain. So, but I'm yeah. willing to forgive all of that because I actually, I do really enjoy this episode. Like, it it doesn't feel like a finale because it's not, it, even though yeah. they're defeating the, the <laughs> yeah. season villain. But I I don't know. Like, I think this is the first time they really get into, like we can approach this from another angle and you're right they never use the spell again that but i think that's because never said that before in
1: this season like we're going to try and approach this... you know what i mean it's like none of it has been sketched out in this season but i don't think that's that it necessarily
0: needs to be in order to be successful like i think it i think all it needs to be in order to be a successful
1: it it does need to be in order for it to be a successful season finale
0: and and but yes it's not a technically
1: It technically it's not, but it, it, I mean, it should still work on that level. It should still be a climax, even if it's not the finale. I think those can be separate. I think that would be okay, but it's not like, it's not doing the work it needs to. Like,
0: I don't necessarily think that they have to, like, all be going to magic to solve every little problem in order to use it to solve this particular problem. I think it's Uh, a...
1: No, 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 I don't, I'm not saying that. Here, I guess here's my thought I had also while you were talking, based, like, based on what you're saying. I think... Another interesting, it's not exactly the flaw, but just kind of the conundrum that they've ended up with. And and on most levels, the initiative has, yeah, like it's not, it's not the best um, adversary that we're going to see in the run of this show or that we've seen so far. I do think that the story that they're trying to tease out with Riley is really interesting, but that's where it's kind of funny because like you're saying like, yeah, at the end of this episode, they're trying to get it back to the core four. And I wonder if that's another reason why this isn't quite working out because really the person who has the best connection to the initiative and the most to personally lose out of the situation is Riley. But they, of course, he can't be the focus of the season four finale because he has only been in the show for this one season. So like I think they also kind of wrote themselves into a corner there where it's like, you know, who does like, even the stuff that like, for as much as I don't like Adam, the best chance he had for success was going to be this conflict he has with Riley. They're sort of parallel lives, this sort of like, what are we doing? And what does it all mean? I think even that again, though, right? Like it gets really condensed in this episode because they're ultimately trying to divert the, the focus back to Buffy and her friends where it's like, right. Oh, maybe this could have been a, a satisfying finale for Riley. But I, I, even if it had been a good finale for Riley, it wouldn't have been a good finale for the season because yeah. it's just still not important enough.
0: I think you're absolutely right. I think it is a bit of a corner that the season ended up in where the most like compelling emotional arc is for a character that we, we don't necessarily I mean, it's not that we he just don't can't care be the, about Riley. He can't but be the like, center of it. Right. He's not central to, like, anything really uh, before Except this. Bobby. But yeah. also, like, yeah. the compelling emotional arcs of this whole initiative subplot have been kind of seeded throughout the season with Riley, but really only came to a head pretty recently. Right, and right. Also, I think, like, Riley's not a character that we can hang an entire, like, uh,
1: yeah, exactly. Like, like villain storyline yeah.
0: on because he's, like you said, like, it has to be about Buffy and, like, her or her friends. But, like, the fact that Riley's big moment is defeating Forrest, like, he does have to kill his friend who is already dead Yeah, in order and to I defeat like Adam. But, like, he's not I, involved I like in the basic, Yeah.
1: Like, He's not wrapped up in the actual defeat of the big bad, even exactly, though he yeah. has the most connection to Adam out of anyone here. Like if any, if Adam, you know, the way that the mayor taunted and teased Buffy for all of season three, if Adam is doing that to anyone, it's Riley. Even though he seems to in this episode, magically, he has this obsession with Buffy for really no reason. Riley's the one that he's is actually obsessed with and should be obsessed with, right? Right. It's, like, weird how much he's talking to Spike about Buffy. Like, why does he even care about her? As far as he's seen, like, if he's kind of living this evidence science-based life, you know, like, in his experience, she has been no problem to thwart. The only reason he's worried about her is based on things that Spike's saying, but, like, why does he trust what Spike's saying?
0: Yeah. So, do you think it works better if they do this spell and they all put all their skills and whatever mm-hmm. their powers into the vessel, <laughs> but the vessel isn't Buffy, that it's Riley? Ultimately,
1: there's no way they could have done that.
0: But if they but had, like playing does it work uh, a fun hypothetical game, I think that
1: I think maybe there is a way to make that work.
0: Like yeah. I think it works on the level of like it also could divert expectations of like exactly or sub sorry subvert expectations of like yeah. you would expect it to be Buffy, but maybe this is the one where Buffy stands aside and says yeah no yeah. it's Riley
1: yeah yeah I think that could have been interesting.
0: I mean I think. Part of it too is like, yeah, does it have to be Buffy? Because they're not in this episode. It's not that explicit. There's like kind of a brief reference to it. But then we learn more in the next episode, like where they actually drew the power from. And like in that case, like maybe Buffy has to be the vessel because they're drawing on the power of of like the Slayer. But
1: yeah, I think that's a little bit of the problem too, is that they're this is feeling a little forced, right? They need to get the Scoobies in this particular situation so that they can do the next episode because it, there's really no explanation here as to how or why they're pulling that power how they would even know about it to make it so impactful down the line. I just wish they, I do think they needed to to give that a little more attention of like why they used that spell and what exact, what at least hinting at where they're drawing that power from because otherwise it is like, oh, you just said this, you did drop that one line there so that you could do this totally bonkers episode the next one. Yeah. Which is cool. I think it's a. I think it's a fine idea. I really like the idea of them doing this kind of penultimate climax, a la The Wire. Obviously, The Wire has done it way more successfully in all of their seasons. But it. You know, I. I, I appreciate the effort. I just think. I. I mean, ultimately, I, I, For all the critiques that I'm pointing out, like I didn't hate this episode. I don't think it was great by any stretch. But it had. It didn't have any additional problems than what I already knew based on our conversations that it had to have. Right. Which is that like, ultimately Adam is not a good villain or he's not a good season villain. And that there's just no way that this was going to be live up to any of the previous season finales. But that being said uh, on its own, it's a fine episode, you know, it's not great. There's, I have a lot of nitpicks, but it, it was exciting and it was, you know, it was kind of interesting. I liked, um, as much as I don't, you know, we, I don't think we love the initiative in all of its, Execution, but I, I did like kind of like the big throwdown scene. You know, it's like, I, it's clear that this is low budget and that like, this is maybe the reason why th- that whole showdown scene happens at the end of Cabin in the Woods because like maybe Joss Whedon wanted to do it better. <laughs> <laughs> you know, once with like letting all the monsters out in a big lab laboratory and then they all fight it out. Um, but I still thought that was like about as well executed as they could have done. I don't know. So, I, I mean, on the whole, this episode is totally medium for me. I think the, and the only reason that I have really a negative reaction to it is because it's so it's supposed to be the climax.
0: Yeah, but I think in that way, too, it's also... I think you're right. I think this is as good of a villain finale as we could get with the villain that we had. Um, but I also think the other thing, too, is that the problem... Like, I'm not saying, oh, this is my favorite episode i agree with you it's fine um i think i do like it more than you do but i also think that it has a, like the episode kind of lulls you into thinking oh this is a finale and like yeah it's it better when you remember that it's not a finale like well, think, it has all yeah. the hallmarks of a finale but like if it's, if it's disappointing it but if you remember oh this isn't supposed to function as a finale then i think it suffers less in comparison
1: well, I, it's funny because I was about to say not exactly the same thing, but if I thought of if I, thinking about this is if this was just a regular Monster of the Week episode, I think I would like it, uh, or at least I would be actually neutral on it. You know, not leaning one way or the other. Because
0: I it think is, it is for, like if you yeah, for Adam, a one, just a glorified a
1: episode span of a problem, of a conflict with a solution. I think it is actually fairly well plotted and fi- it's good enough for that. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it all has everything to do with expectations and not and 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 it ge- and it genuinely, it's placement in the season. That's not irrelevant, you know. But yeah. yeah, to your point, it isn't technically the finale, and I do think that that's. I I, I guess I don't believe that they were like trying to make it anticlimactic exactly, no. but I do agree that yeah, it isn't the finale, so that there's a reason why it does feel a little unsatisfying.
0: Also, I think you just said something really interesting where like. It does feel like Adam is a demon of the week that got bumped yeah. up to, like, the big bad. Yeah, but, yeah. like, he doesn't Instead really support a few extra that yeah. kind of thing. So, yeah.
1: Adam would have been a really cool episode of the week. Yeah, or and, two, like two-parter something. I mean, like frankly, we kind of already did that once, right? Like, in season one, we did sort of have this resurrection theme. Yeah. I was trying to think about that at the beginning of this episode. I was like, oh, how does this relate to that one? But I didn't get anywhere with that train of thought. <laughs> it doesn't. They're not the same at all. <laughs> other than reanimation.
0: <laughs> Oh, you mean that season two episode with the corpse? I thought it was
1: season one, isn't it? Wait, which one? Which reanimation? With the... um, Oh, God, how many are there? I was thinking of the one where they are trying to build the perfect girl and Cordelia is supposed to be the head for that football player's... season two. That's... mm,
0: But it's like episode two of season two. Okay. Yeah. So, in a normal season would have been episode 15. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) I do want to say that as much as the actual defeat of Adam maybe rings a little bit hollow other than I actually do like the symmetry of the group breaking apart and then literally coming mm-hmm. together to defeat him. But I okay. do really love when they actually do emotionally come back together where... Yeah, you know, oh, I did like that. They're calling down uh-huh. the <laughs> elevator <laughs> shaft. Yeah. That and was a great scene. The scene yeah. with Buffy and Willow is really sweet where they both acknowledge that, like, yes, yeah, Spike definitely said things that weren't true, but there were definitely reasons that he was able to mm-hmm. drive them apart. Um, you know, we have Buffy acknowledge that she's literally been so wrapped up in her boyfriend that she's ignored all her friends and Mm -hmm. you know willow admitting that you know she kind of disappeared as well with the whole tara thing and um xander's Xander's (laughs) grossly enjoy being hugged by two girls like whatever xander will be xander i suppose you know like and it's not as easy as giles might want when he says like you know um you know piffle let's move on like it's not piffle really so
1: Uh, Well, and yeah, you're right. I, I really liked that scene. And I also thought that was a like really quintessentially Buffy moment of like, they are in the middle of a like near apocalyptic scenario and they like, don't, it doesn't stop them from taking the time to say the things that they need to say to each other. You know, like to have those emotional connections whenever they need to happen, I think is a pretty like typical thing that they've, that they'll always do in the show. And I really liked it. And yeah, I mean, it was just sweet. Um, yeah, you know, and I actually had taken some similar notes that, like, yeah, despite all of its flaws, I do feel like one, you know, they did effectively kind of tie all the strings together, which, well, again, technically speaking, they tied all the strings together, so the gang all comes together, but there's also a lot here where Buffy reiterates, like, how she's not going to follow orders.
0: <laughs> yeah, or you that know, she's like, above them in, because, yeah, like, these military people have no clue. Like, like, she says, like, you're playing on my turf, like, you exactly. can't give me really, orders, I, you have no yeah. authority here
1: yeah and I I appreciated that scene as well and I think it was you know ultimately they have to give in because they just are have completely run out of options they're getting slaughtered you know they don't the initiative just can't handle this situation without her help so they do eventually have to acquiesce to her but I appreciate that she never backed down and that she also like underscored that like I don't report to you and I don't have to listen to what you're saying
0: <laughs> yeah so one thing going forward do you think because I don't really know, I don't really think that it's going to be touched on too much in the next episode, but, you know, at the end of this, Spike saves them from, you know, a random demon barging yeah. in the and he kind of says he does it because he doesn't want them to stake him for the whole role in the Adam thing, but, I mean, how, if at all, does this set up the case for Spike to still be there? It doesn't. I
1: I mean, it it doesn't. I don't, and that's been a problem even in this season. Is it's like the they are really scraping at justifications for keeping him around.
0: I think with Spike, like he stays around as long as he thinks there's hope that the initiative can take this chip out of his head. Yeah, for him, but it
1: doesn't make sense why the Scoobies are letting him hang around them. Makes sense for him to still be in the show. I don't, but yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed with how that like barely makes sense. I guess, and I think the way they try to
0: explain it is you know, a different direction next season. Like why Spike well, stays.
1: It's true. But I guess the, uh, I mean, and the other, like the, the non, the less contentious reason why he's sticking around post this episode is because realizing that he can't get the chip out. He has no one else to fight with other than demons. So like, he may as well be, you know, joint, uh, kind of allying himself with them a little bit. Cause they're going to give him access to these things. And it's, I don't know. I, I I'm sure there is a way to kind of, again, to like lay this out a little bit better, but yeah, no, I don't really buy it. I don't buy why the Scoobies would ever let him around them again after this moment. No. I'm happy that they do. <laughs> I, I I guess, again, once he's once he's around long enough, I guess there's some justification for like he is powerful. You know, the way that they needed Angel because Angel is almost as strong as Buffy is like if a vampire is lending you his strength, I'm not sure why you would necessarily say no. Other than the fact that he's betrayed you a million times over. But I guess there is also something kind of predictable about Spike where it's like they know they never really trust him even when they let him back in. So it's like, yeah, it doesn't really make sense. But they also, I think, know that like, well, as long as we're either paying him or giving him some greater motivation to be with us than the enemy, then he'll be, he'll stick to that. Like, it's not out of loyalty that he's with them. It's totally practical reasons.
0: Well, and if I'm remembering correctly in the next season, he's not quite around in the same way he is at the end of this season. Yeah. He's just in Sunnydale still. Right. So, you know, maybe they don't let him back in that way. We'll have to pay attention. Yeah. Yeah, He's kind of
1: got that like annoying sitcom neighbor vibe to him though. this in this (laughs) moment. He's a little bit Steve Urquhly of like, why are you letting this kid just run into your house? (laughs) Well, before we skip over it, you mentioned this in your, um, Recap, but like again, Riley doesn't get to be the star of this episode exactly. But I, I thought I loved everything that Riley did in this episode. <laughs> I thought, you know, his fight with Forrest, I thought that was a fairly good climax for them. You know, like it's kind of been that has been pretty much teased or set up this entire season that they're fighting with each other and they're fighting pretty much over the relationship with Buffy. I, you know, Forrest has his kind of flaws as a character, like not character flaws but like flaws in his creation as a character but it's kind of fun to see him be like well I'm I hated Buffy and now I'm super strong and I really hate Buffy I don't know it's like ridiculous but I li- I liked it I liked their showdown and I like I really liked Riley's like c- overcoming his chip just enough to get it out of himself so that he could control his behavior again I thought that was like a really great badass moment for him
0: it really was um and reminds you that Riley is first a soldier so. yeah yeah totally um i loved Forrest's little finger wag at
1: riley. <laughs> Like, uh-uh. <laughs> uh-huh. oh my god and also like literally when we were talking about last week's episode um i forgot I, that this was why riley showed up <laughs> at adam's cave in the first place i yeah, was like yeah, it makes sense that he would have done that i was like oh that's right he has a chip and adam made him <laughs> yeah I totally We're forgot We're, like, five
0: minutes that. in, and I was like, uh, oh, oh, right. <laughs> this makes more sense. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I forget things. Me too. It's fine. Especially when they relate to Adam. Yeah.
1: I, I guess, okay, so this is really not, this is not a critique. This is just a, like, you know, the way that we typically note on the fashion as, like, something that really places these episodes, any episode of Buffy at a specific time and place. Like, this episode and the Angel episode felt so post-Matrix to me. I kind of said that before, but like, I think that was a little bit of my problem with the spell too, is it's like Buffy waves her hand and stops the bullets midair. That is actually scene, you know, shot for shot, a scene that happens at the end of the Matrix. I was like, somebody watched that movie and then was like, how do we do that? Which is frankly what every single action movie and TV show did for like five years after the Matrix. So it's not weird but I, I i did like laugh for a minute where i was like okay <laughs> i see what you're doing
0: <laughs> uh yeah they probably were jumping on that bandwagon i'm certain I mean, i'll point it out An so. angel
1: too it's yeah. not even that i mind it was just like oh that really dated this episode
0: <laughs> i mean that's the kind of thing where like you know um what was it shrek where they also like reference the matrix yeah, like yeah. everything was literally referencing the matrix but
1: that is a that is a like joke reference that this is a like accidental visual reference yeah it's <laughs> they weren't playing it for laughs i don't think again it's not actually a critique at all it's more so that just like oh god watching this now i could tell exactly when this took place <laughs> also i've seen the matrix a lot it was the
0: first dvd i ever owned this might be the only buffy episode where they trivia. all only, um wear one outfit
1: it's true and i do like buffy's outfit in this one
0: because, like we were talking about, the timeline is extremely compressed in this mm-hmm. one. So, I suppose it's to convey urgency, but I don't know if it does that. It didn't. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, well, would you like to talk about Angel? I would. Uh, let's talk about hid- hidden matrix references in Angel. Just cause. I didn't
0: notice any, so
1: you'll have this to This one is, all, I, I will. It's less direct. <laughs>
0: okay. So, tell us what happened in Blind Date.
1: Okay. As always, I'll attempt to keep this somewhat short so i mean i'm timing you great (laughs) um basically in this episode you know angel is like doing his angel thing he's like fighting some vampires and he encounters this blind woman who uh starts attacking him and even though she can't see she like pretty handily spars with angel and gets away so he goes back to angel investigations and you know wesley and cordelia are trying to piece together who she is and they discover that oh in fact she has a rap sheet full of murders. <laughs> so, knowing this, Angel shows up at her court date, sure, um, to basically try and prove that, like, oh, she can actually, she's not the helpless victim that the her. Of course, she's being represented by Wilferman Hart as they're painting her out to be to get her off on whatever the latest murder charge is. But Wilferman Hart is full of good lawyers, including Lindsay, who we've now seen a few times. Um, and he gets her off of all the charges, all of her murder charges, at least in this latest case. So it basically cut they basically piece together that this woman is a super powerful assassin. She blinded herself on purpose so that she could kind of grow these different, you know fighting skills and senses. So even though she can't see with her eyes, she's very perceptive to everything that's going on around her. and she's highly trained in like martial arts. So it turns out that she's basically on the on the higher, for Wolfram and Hart and they hire her to do their dirty work when they need an assassin to do things. And in exchange, they get her off of all the murder charges that they've set her up for. That is continuing to happen, except that oddly Lindsay, the lawyer from Wolfram and Hart seems to get cold feet about whatever particular case they've hired her on for next. And so he shows up at angel investigations explaining that he needs angels help. They, of course, expect that he is just setting them up somehow but it turns out to pretty much be genuine that it turns out they've hired her to kill three children and that is a a line for Lindsay. that's apparently his line of morality so he uh teams up with angel and Gunn to perform a pretty elaborate heist of, of their own law offices um to try and get out the information that they need to figure out where these kids are located so that they can intervene before she kills them. And they're ultimately successful now without a lot of small hiccups along the way, including like Lindsay getting pulled into a like surprise mind reading test, the way that normal humans might get pulled in for a surprise drug test. <laughs> um, and by the end of it, they figure out where the kids are. Angel does rush in and save the day and defeat the villain. Um, and at the end of it, Lindsay is still at Wolfram and Hart. He's about to quit, but he kind of gets this uh, speech from his boss where at the end of the episode we're kind of left wondering what does he, if he's going to decide to stay with them or if he's going to decide to just leave and be done with this clearly vile and evil life.
0: Because they do discover that he's plotting against yes, them. Yes, they know. Yeah.
1: During the mind reading they find out everything that he's been up to. So that's, that's that. This is cool. the episode where Lindsay defects briefly and... Teams up with Angel for an elaborate bank heist type scenario.
0: The last battle for Lindsay's soul. I I
1: think I like it more as a heist.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I guess uh,
1: describing this episode, like I think this is a really fun concept. Not, not just fun because that's a little bit too far, too extreme. Because there's a lot of terrible things that are happening in this episode. But I I think this is a pretty good, this is a pretty good episode of of this new and improved Angel.
0: <laughs> well, it is, and I think it's like you know, case study number one of what happens when you expand the world of Angel Mm -hmm. to, with not just more people but compelling people. Like we have, you know, Lindsay has been set up as, you know, an antagonist and we've seen Mm -hmm. him a few times with Wolfram and Hart, you know, we going all the way back to the pilot. But he's still compelling in a way that a lot of the antagonists against Angel haven't been and that he's like helping them with this. But also I think, you know, Gunn comes back for this episode And it's just fun. Yeah. Because you like, you care.
1: And you know why one of the reasons that Lindsay works, I think, is because at least I buy the show's kind of depiction of him as a worthy adversary. Like he's Mm -hmm. super smart. He's able to get this woman off of impossible charges. And he's able to break into his own law offices that employ, you know, no shortage of well-funded security measures. Both, Shamans. Yeah, both mystical and practical, like real world. So I, I I, think that's one of the reasons why he's a more he's a more fitting foe for Angel, right? Because it's like, it's no fun to see someone beat someone that they're just clearly better, at, <laughs> better than, but it's fun to see them try and go up against somebody who has, yeah, and like now they're giving him kind of, fleshing him out a little bit so that he's not so one note. You know, I, I, he never really came off as like really one-dimensional to me. But I, especially now, right? Like now going forward, Lindsay's always going to kind of have this more complicated backstory and relationship with everybody around him. It's a great groundwork episode, too, now that we're talking about it.
0: Yeah, because now going forward, whenever they tangle with Lindsay, you can remember that time he almost made the right choice, but ultimately mm-hmm. didn't. And mm-hmm. that makes him like already twice as interesting.
1: yeah. Yeah. And as much as it's like, it's funny because he gave that whole like sign of sob story about his own childhood. Even that I really like the way they handled it. Right. Because a little bit of me thought. So after he wins this case, Vanessa, that's the name of the woman. The Wilferman Hart is clearly already setting her off on another gig. And his boss suggests to him, like, you better come up with a tragic backstory for her now because you're going to need it. (laughs) So it was kind of funny when Lindsay was in Angel's offices explaining his sob story. A little part of me thought maybe that's just the story he made up for Vanessa and he's just using it for his own purposes now. Um, But either way, I mean, I I don't think that's the reading that you're supposed to have, but... I think that I liked that it worked either way for me. I was like, oh, either he's still so cynical that he can't stop himself from lying and he knows that he's going to make a better case to Angel or he really does have this terrible backstory and that's like, you know, why he's finally starting to have some moral quandaries about working for an actually definitively evil
0: law firm. Yeah. It's, and we get, you know, more insight into the law firm.
1: I mean, I loved every single one of those scenes. I think it's hilarious that we get to see their various security measures, that they have videotaped so that they also have a, yeah, a, sh- a shaman or whatever that sits there next to the security guard and, like, squawks if there's a vampire on premises.
0: And um, also, like, instead of finding out that you're defecting to another firm and taking yeah, fines yeah. with you and firing you, they, like, kill you.
1: They terminate you literally. Literally, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I also loved how, like... That's the thing that is an offense at Wolferman Hart. Not this moral crisis that Lindsay's having. Yeah. I mean, and and I think to be fair, if it were anyone other than Lindsay, they probably would have killed him too. But I, I think that that's also like such a smart commentary on corporate life where it's like some people really are like more favored, you know, either with merit or without it. Right? Like I think... I. I believe that Lindsay deserves this second chance from the law firm as an, from a strictly like employee sense, you know what I mean? But like, I, 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 it's not unbelievable to me that the boss has favorites and that Lindsay's one of them so that he gets a second chance, but it's also not unbelievable to me that what they really don't want is to lose clients. That they don't really care if you're like occasionally backstabbing them.
0: No, I think they have no
1: moral compass.
0: Yeah. I think that's totally valid where I think it's like the real danger to the firm is people leaving with clients, but they can deal with maybe, and this is probably not, you know, most likely not the first time an employee has had a moral crisis because the things that they're being asked to do are heinous. But, Uh um, so like Holland knows like, okay, Lindsay is really promising. He's impressive. He's worth this extra push to kind of like help him decide what he wants to do. Mm -hmm. And while this other guy, there is no saving him from that. Like he's betraying them on this very fundamental level mm-hmm. in a way where Lindsay is kind of trying to walk this line and it's like Lindsay betrays his way into a promotion like it's yeah he does really yeah. interesting but i think well, it's also like holland never doubts like like maybe he does know Lindsay better than Lindsay thinks and he's like okay this is the part where you have moral qualms about what you do mm-hmm. but i know what you want because of where you're from and what you you think you want out of yeah. life and like yeah. that's gonna ultimately win out and it does it does.
1: I, although I don't think that's necessarily established by the end of this episode.
0: No, but I think it makes sense if you think about, if you assume that Lindsay's backstory that he's mm-hmm. Spun Angel is true, mm-hmm. and you think about the decision that he makes at the end, like, those track.
1: No, I'm saying at the end of the episode, I didn't feel like he had made his decision yet.
0: Oh, I thought him shutting the office doors with him inside was yeah, making maybe. the decision.
1: I guess I thought he was still looking wistful. But, um, that's neither here nor there. He clearly stays in the law firm <laughs> yeah um I guess kind of in the same way that I think Lindsay being smart makes him a worthy adversary again that's another thing that I totally believe is that his boss sees him and is like oh you were smart enough to outsmart all of our security systems again we would like that's you an to asset we want you to be working for us not working against us yeah it is an asset I and mean it is that a I really that smart tracks. plan that makes sense yeah and I did, I, yeah, exactly. Like I really liked watching their little heist play out. I was like, you guys really did think this through other than when he was sneaking into the records room and he ran into Lila and, you know, he like, you know, is quick on his feet and like comes up with this explanation. And obviously this is just like a thing that they did for time and for effect. But like she walks out the door and like two, not even two seconds later, he peeks his head out the door. I'm like, she hasn't even turned the corner. <laughs> Lindsay, you've got to stay in that room like a minute. <laughs> That was his one moment of, like, lack of stealth, but the rest of it was good.
0: Yeah. So, do you want to know the part of the episode that I was really hoping would take a different turn? But ultimately, for Angel, it's better that it didn't, but I was, like... okay. I would have loved the throwback. So Cordelia is calling Willow for yes. help, like decrypting these discs. Uh-huh. And she's like, okay, and then I do this, and then okay, I do this. And I was just waiting for her to say, deliver. deliver. And it never happened.
1: Well, they're older and more mature people now. But I did, I wrote, I was laughing about that too. I was like, oh, this is like a nice coda to their. I was like yelling first- at my
0: screen, deliver, deliver. <laughs>
1: Yeah. No, I totally liked that scene. I thought that. was
0: I do like when she was like, "Guess what they're doing today?" Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh. So okay.
1: Let me just real quick say my Matrix thing.
0: Oh yeah, because I, <laughs> I just felt
1: I just felt like that whole scene where. So okay, so Vanessa, the blind woman, has been hired to assassinate three children. They're also like blind children that have some sort of mystical abilities, and they're going to be trained to be powerful, which is why they want to kill them. But when they when they finally find them, you know, they're like living with they have some sort of like not watcher, but watcher type guy that is guiding them around. The whole presentation of that scene was just very much like the Oracle's house in the Matrix when there's like the famous like there is no spoon line. It just felt a lot like that to me where I was like, oh, yes, prophetic and like skilled children sitting in a kind of dank, crappy apartment. It just it just had that air to it. I actually would believe that this one was an unintentional, not even a reference, but I still thought it was funny coming off of that episode of Buffy where I was like, well, somebody saw the Matrix. <laughs>
0: <laughs> somebody came into the writer's room and was like, yeah. you guys would not believe this I mean, movie. I'm sure it
1: was accidental. All of it was accidental. I don't think these are like, these are not references in the episode. This is just like, oh, that movie was very influential and like it's showing up everywhere. <laughs> Um, Oh, but the other thing, and I'm sorry because I left this out of my recap, but Angel, you know, the whole heist plan is for Angel to break into the law offices to steal files that are going to tell them where the kids are being held. But while he's in there stealing those files, he also grabs another thing from their offices, which in fact is the reason that they get, is the main reason they get caught, because that sets off an alarm that they didn't account for. Um, And once he gets it back to Angel Investigations, you know, Wesley is able to translate some of it, and he basically explains to him, that, like, hey, this is a prophecy, and maybe it's about you. <laughs> right? I mean, maybe he didn't get quite that far in his no, explanation. No, he did. But he said
0: it was about him. It's about a vampire with a soul. Um, and also that – because Angel doesn't really – he can't really explain why he stopped and took it. Why he took it, and that's right. Wesley is like, I think because it's about you. Mm-hmm. It's like the, you know, the, the Hall of first- Prophecies or whatever – in yeah. Harry Potter, yeah, where, exactly. like, you want to go find the one that's about you. Yeah. Not quite like that. It wasn't in a cute little glass bubble thing. No.
1: But, yeah, yeah but so this, this is, is also the, kind of, like, the first hint at yes. a bigger storyline.
0: Because we'll we'll see more about it in the next episode, but this prophecy that Angel finds is going to be important. Mm-hmm.
1: It's funny because I can't remember I, I know that there's stuff that I don't like in the later seasons of Angel but I genuinely don't know I, I just don't remember it well enough to really have an opinion on any of it but I it is like a part of me that's like of course they just need to just go all in on this law office because it is just so fun to be there but I feel like that when they eventually do that I'm gonna they're gonna like go too far with it or something
0: you know what the big shame of the timing of angel is? Is that it didn't air during the time of webisodes because oh, a webisode series about yeah. Wolfram and Hart would have yeah, been I mean, amazing. Yeah, see little
1: <laughs> snippets of their office life again where like ter- employee terminations are literal and like whatever else.
0: Mm-hmm. How
1: much of that other lawyer, the guy that got killed, he looks so much like Jim Parsons to me.
0: He really does.
1: I kept thinking, I kept thinking in every episode that he's been in.
0: And and he's been in, like, three or four episodes, and mm-hmm. I still don't know his name. Me neither. <laughs>
1: well, it's because he died this episode. We don't have to keep track of him anymore. Because he's not Lindsay or Lila, so <laughs> exactly. I literally don't care. <laughs> I don't know. Whoever you are. <laughs> um, I also got the impression during this episode that Lila is, in fact, subordinate to Lindsay. Or she's, like, lower. Not maybe his his actual subordinate, but ranks lower, has been there less time.
0: Yes. and She still
1: is proving herself. Is yes. Because
0: he's giving her that advice. Yeah. And she definitely is his subordinate now. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, now, yeah. But. Yeah.
0: Um, and I think going forward, the interesting dynamic between Lila and Lindsay is always fun to watch because, uh-huh. in some ways, they don't fill the roles that you think they would. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way they play. I'm off saying of and yes, but I have no idea. Other, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I think no. I think their competition with each other drives a lot of the action oh, going forward. Right, right. But I also okay. think like you might it, it might be lazy to be like, oh, the man in this dynamic is gonna be more evil and uh-huh. like, I see you know, what you're more saying. willing to deal with this and the woman would be emotional about everything, but really Lindsay is the one with the moral center and Lila mm-hmm. proves herself to be willing to do almost Ruthless. anything. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so the way that plays out with their competition is interesting. I'm I'm excited. I mean, I am ready for season two. Can we Me too. I would because some- I wanna shu, and then I wanna, you know, Get into yeah. season two.
1: But I was excited about this episode overall. I yeah. guess I came into this, our taping being like, I was middled on both of them. But honestly, <laughs> I liked this episode of Angel. I do feel like they didn't really remark on the end of it because they established that Vanessa is a human. I'm pretty sure that Angel killed her at the end. That's like a little dark. I thought he just knocked did her he? Out. Ju- did he not kill her? Okay. I guess I can never
0: tell. <laughs> I'm assuming they gave her to the police. I- okay. Okay. Because she was human. She, you know, she defied all this. Buffy logic, and she has a soul, and she did all this, but yeah. <laughs> we've moved past that yeah. a long time ago. No, but I'm excited for, to hear about what this prophecy stuff has to do with next week, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Now, like, finally things are coming together for Angel. <laughs> so and finally I finally a reason for
0: anything. <laughs> I remember really liking the season one finale.
1: I think I do, too, but I... Genuinely, as with this episode, where it was like, I don't remember. I didn't remember what was happening in this one at all until 10 minutes in. Even then, I forgot most of the details.
0: Yeah. Um, So next week, we've got to Shanshu in L.A., Mm -hmm. or Shanshu, again, with the pronunciation. Yeah. I don't know. And uh, Restless, which we have disagreed on before.
1: I mean, but again, you know, I mean, I think for good reason. I don't remember the details of that episode very well. So I'm, exci- I'm excited to watch it. I hope it comes across... I'm coming at all of these, uh, at least intentionally, with an open mind. I'm not trying to, like, not like that. Did you guys
0: know that Ginny secretly hates Buffy? <laughs> well, in fact, you know, the... Conc- the definite- con we've been running the whole time. <laughs> my definite conclusion
1: by the end of this rewatch is that I like season four a lot more than I realized. Or at least that mm-hmm. there's so much good stuff in it.
0: There so really like, if is. If anything,
1: I've been mostly pleasantly surprised. It's really just the the, the tail end of the arc that is fizzling
0: yeah and i remember really loving the finale though because it because all the action is out of the way it like yeah it, it's really trippy it's you know there's a lot of like foreshadowing in it if you've if you know mm-hmm. what you're looking for but also i think it just kind of gives the show a moment to kind of like breathe and have fun and yeah um it just feels like a an episode where you can watch and just go okay, even though, like, you don't know the entire time what the hell is going on, but I don't know. It's, like, relaxing in a way that, like, most of the finales aren't.
1: Yeah. Which is a weird thing to say
0: about a stressful situation they're all in, but...
1: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. I almost forgot to say a thing about, um, Primeval. At some point during that episode, Buffy was talking about, oh, you know how Riley told us that the power center for Adam is his uranium core and oh I was like God, Ex- it wasn't Riley. excuse me that was not Riley that was Jonathan <laughs> you did not actually already forget about him <laughs>
0: that would have been so much better had she said remember know, when Jonathan like, told us
1: clear but that, you know that what? timeline maybe, actually happened
0: maybe she thinks Riley said it because I think they started to they forget sort of a little bit of their the things.
1: I, hard to say I yeah. guess you're right but it really bugged me
0: that bugs me now. I didn't even notice that. Because I, I actually was like, wait, when did Riley say that? Like, yeah. I like was trying Al- to remember what Alex- episode that <laughs>
1: was. <laughs> me and Alex both said the same thing. We were like,
0: that was Jonathan. <laughs> Do you have any pop culture this week? God,
1: no. I'm sorry. It's okay. I'm in a bad pop culture place right now. Other than same. Buffy. I don't know. Like, I'm not feeling very... Mo- I'm still watching the rest of Freaks and Geeks, but... um already talked about that. <laughs> uh, otherwise I'm just kind of in a lull where I'm like, I don't really have, I don't quite feel like starting anything new. How do I make a lot of stuff is like coming up on breaks, you know, for the summer. So it's like, I don't, I don't know. I got to get, I got to get back into something that I don't have anything right now.
0: I've just been reading a lot, but I'm not willing to share what I've been reading. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> this is a judgment-free zone. Mostly. You know,
0: it's, you know why, you know what it is? It's that, it's fine, but it's just not something that I think I would be like telling a million people like, you have to read. A this, million people?
1: I, is that how many listeners you think we
0: have? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I choose to be positive. Excuse <laughs> you.
1: <laughs> Even if we're being positive, Allie, I think a million is a stretch. <laughs>
0: fine it's not something that i choose to tell 10 people to read okay
1: thank you <laughs> is that better it might be more than 10 but i feel confident you're not
0: you're not letting me be hyperbolic here
1: <laughs> i just think you should have said a thousand <laughs> <laughs> i would have let that go a million. it was too
0: extreme for you okay <laughs> um okay i uh i'm on team riley this week oh me too he yes, I said chip. it first. Yeah,
1: no, that's fine. I have no qualms with being on the same team. You're the one who doesn't want to agree with me.
0: I don't it's like, like when I, we were
1: younger and my sister w- wouldn't want to wear the same outfit as me.
0: <laughs> I, I completely understand that. I'm team as Riley someone also. who, if I wear the same outfit as my sister, it looks intentional. Yeah, I do not like to do that either.
1: <laughs> now we try and dress alike on purpose. Actually, she does it even more than I do.
0: I feel like you two could run into that problem, too, though. Exactly. Because you look now enough look alike, alike that, like, yeah. if you wore the same outfit, people were like, oh, are you twins.
1: People have been saying that to me. Now, so saying that to us now since I was, like, 17.
0: I actually don't think that you look that much alike anymore. So. But I think the first time I met Ashley, I was like, holy crap. <laughs> okay, <sighs> All right. so... We're both mm-hmm. Team Riley, the best team. The best team. Yep. For now. <laughs> For now, yeah. Oh, we're, you know what's really sad about coming to the end of Season 4? Is that they're going to Is then we have to embark on that, Riley. I know. And I'm I not looking don't forward to. to it. I just like I this, enjoy this happy,
1: romantic stage that I'm in with yes. him, and I just don't want to think about it.
0: <laughs> I like this nice place that I'm in. It's, yeah. it's lovely here. Okay, well, okay. I will well, talk, talk to you. you next time. I will. All right. Bye. bye. Once More With Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me,
1: Ginny. Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder.
0: And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have. And find us on Twitter and Instagram at omwc podcast. You can also
1: find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com.